1: Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant Black woman magic mind,
0: and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us, and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. So, we are getting close to dropping this podcast series. Yeah. It it does my heart joy to know that we're going to be able to share some of our conversations with a wider audience and uh, hopefully bless some folks with some stories between us.
1: <laughs> I sure hope so. I'm, I'm getting excited too. I think um, when you think about us just talking about this as a little idea that we were sort of chucking under the chin and patting on the head, now that we welcomed it on in and said, come on, sit down. Let's actually <laughs> see what
0: we're going to do with you. Amen. Sometimes you just got to as in your words, you got to Beyonce something, just, just drop it. You got to Beyonce that thing. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. I forgot about it. Did I say that? Yeah, yeah, that was you.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. And um, I guess because people are getting acquainted with us, this may be an opportunity to tell a little bit about ourselves. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, no, I think we, we should uh, let the people know what they want to know, which is who is Dr. Kimberly Manning and maybe a little less so, who is Dr. Ashley McMullen?
1: I actually was thinking the opposite. I was thinking, who is Dr. Ashley McMullen? And less of who is (laughs) Dr. Kimberly Manning. So uh, since I'm older than you, I'm gonna take the authority of, of probing first. Yes. Um, so can I can I ask you a couple questions to get to for us to get to know you a little bit better? Of course. So First, tell me, how would you describe yourself in a one-liner?
0: My one-liner? Yeah, what is your one-liner? So I will start with my name, Ashley Marie McMullen. Okay. I am a 30-something-year-old Black cisgendered woman uh, who is a descendant of individuals who were brought to this country against their will, who were enslaved, but also survived. I am a product of an incredible grandmother, the evangelist Shelly yes and a wonderful mom, Siobhan Jackson, who is a pediatric nurse um, down in Houston, who introduced me into the world of compassionate medicine as a purpose and a calling. That's what's up. Come on, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Black moms. So along with that, I am an assistant professor of medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am trained as an internist. I did my medical school at University of Texas in Houston. Okay. came out to California, um, San Francisco for the first time during my interview. And, you know, it was just a lot warmer than the East Coast. Um, <laughs> not and, warmer than Houston, though. Not warmer than Houston, but, you know, it was a happy medium of warm and not disastrously humid. So, but I also just fell in love with the program. You know, the, the, the folks here were mission-driven They were not just doctors, they were doctors who believed in compassionate care and social justice. So I found myself out here in a primary care track based at the San Francisco General Hospital, now known as the Zuckerberg, but we can have that conversation later. (laughs) So I graduated, became a chief, Mm -hmm. and made my decision to stay. And so now I'm on faculty and You know, part of what I love about what I do is being able to work with trainees, especially trainees who are underrepresented in medicine. Yeah, I love thinking about ways of incorporating stories and narrative into the work that we do just to broaden our perspective, build bridges across differences, and really get to know folks as more than medical problems or get to know each other as more than, you know, whatever random identities we choose to categorize people by. So if that were an actual one-liner that I delivered to you, on <laughs> one, I feel like you would have probably walked away. <laughs> but and this isn't a thing to probe on, but I know that it's
1: a proud piece of your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you described yourself as a cisgendered um, descendant of slavery. I, too, am a cisgender descendant of slavery, but um, there is a, a, a little fork in the road between us.
0: That's funny that I left. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going there. I was like, oh, okay. right. But also, like, I live in in San Francisco. So, right, is, right. you know, I'm a dime a dozen here. So I'm also <laughs> a, a proud black queer woman. So same gender loving individual and right. <laughs> you know, this is something we're going to talk about later on, but it took me a while yes. to get that piece together.
1: Yes. Yes. And, you know, I, I love that because, you know, I, I guess this idea of being in a space where you aren't othered so much, they're like, shoot, you know, yeah, that, yeah, 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 that, that's true. But I guess <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So definitely it's great to, to be able to walk in your truth in such a way that you don't feel like, you know, you have to have a bullhorn out. Mm-hmm. to scream it but you ain't scared to say it though oh hell no <laughs> I love it I love it I love it so All we right. have a lot in common except you know you, I definitely got some years on you sis appreciate that <laughs> but uh yeah I would say I'm a a 50 year old that's right 50 mm-hmm. fifth row cisgendered um het Black woman. I'm a descendant of slaves and survivors. I'm going to add that on there too. I like that. I'm a mother um, of two man children, black man children. I'm married to an Army veteran who is a badass Army ranger, officer, and a gentleman, and uh, the love of my life. And I am a clinician educator who sort of hybridizes myself between hospital medicine and um, primary care, um, general internal medicine, though I am uh, internal medicine and pediatrics trained. My professional life is now in the department of medicine. Still have like some, I I still, I think the MedPeds is always in me and I would do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I work in a leadership role in diversity, equity, and inclusion in the department of medicine here at Emory. I am a proud graduate of not one, but two historically black colleges went to Tuskegee university. My whole family went there. My parents met at Tuskegee. My maternal grandparents met at Tuskegee. Mm. My great grandmother um, on my mom's side went to Tuskegee and I'm one of four and all four of us went to Tuskegee and it was one of the best experiences of my whole life. And then from there, I went to Meharry medical college. Um, One of the two historically black medical schools that stayed open after um, Abraham Flexner closed the other five of them. But um, loved, loved, loved my experience um, of being at Meharry. And all of that was preceded by me growing up in Inglewood, California, where I used to pop lock and break dance on the corner, chase the ice cream truck with no shoes on, Mm. um, put tinfoil on the end of my braids, have a neighborhood drill team recite Rapper's Delight on a corner, use cardboard and breakdance on it, you know, all that stuff. As you can see, I'm a little older. Uh, um, But I say all of that to say it wasn't until I started residency that I was ever anywhere that was not predominantly Black. Mm. And that shapes a lot of what I'm like, because I tend to think in African-American vernacular um, in my day-to-day operations, and I have finally, after all this time, reached a point where I'm comfortable enough in my own skin to reveal that true part of me to the rest of the world. Um, I do speak standard English. I got a very good education um, and medical training, but that doesn't mean that I have to completely mask the very Black parts of me that allow me to relate to my patients too. Um, and that shape a lot of what I'm passionate about. So that is not one line, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is truer than true. Yeah. You know, you know, I talk about this sometimes about how much cognitive effort you waste on trying to be somebody other than who you are. That isn't just if you're black, just no matter who you
0: are. You know, speaking of authenticity and trying to walk this line between being an individual versus being what society tells you need you need to be based on particular labels.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: hair is one thing <laughs> that I'm just going to warn everybody listening, we're going to talk a lot about hair. um, Because to me, and Kimberly, I feel like you might agree, like how you wear your hair is, you know, an expression of authenticity for some. Yeah. It it is for me. So I have a question for you, (laughs) which is... Number one, could you introduce your hair and then tell us what you love most about your hair? Uh, so um, we, we firmly believe
1: that all hair should have a name and um, because you have to have a relationship with your hair, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shout out to Tabitha Brown, who, who taught me of the importance of naming my hair. My hair's um, name is Jules. If you're lucky, somebody who you care about will name your hair for you. It's very hard to name your own hair. So Jules is um, somebody who used to normally live her life at about about a one one inch long length. Over the years, uh, she has become more gray and the pandemic, (laughs) she could not get her regular uh, haircuts. And so she began to grow. She grew from being a little baby infant to a little um, like adolescent and she kind of grown right now. She's gotten pretty long Mm -hmm. Um, and it's this funky mixture of gray mixed with my little kid, Sandy brownish reddish. And so it comes out looking this bizarre looking, I don't know, partly grayish ash, blondish strangeness that um, has been accused of. An intricate blonde bleaching process, which if you know me, I don't have time for anything like that. So there's no way. What do I love about my hair? My hair is thick. It is thick enough to do most things. And that's one of my favorite things about black hair. You know, it's, it's like thick enough where if I wet it up, it'll probably stand up on top of my head, big and fluffy. But if I straighten it with heat, which is usually often how I wear it, it will Um, sort of not only lay down but also it's heavy enough to move and kind of shorter in the back so I relax the back of it because that's my business and that's how I want to wear it (laughs) and I, I, um, I have a loving relationship with the black hair salon including my stylist Sakina who is probably the only person other than my husband who has seen me every one to two weeks for the last literally probably 17 years. I love everything about the hair salon and everything about just being around Black women, getting their hair weaved, cut, permed, braided, everything. Yeah, I, lo- I love Jules. She's good to me and she she, uh, she makes me feel very confident in, in many instances. So I appreciate her a lot. Let's talk about your um, fair lady over there. Oh Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, shall we get an introduction? Right. So I, I want to introduce um, you all to Mahalia. You know, you mentioned the, the difficulty of naming your own hair and the privilege of having someone special name it for you. So I want to let everybody know that Mahalia was bestowed this name by none other than Dr. Kimberly Manning. And I might put that on my CV at some point. Can I just make one mention though about
1: this? This is how we got to the name Mahalia. First of all, if y'all don't know who Mahalia Jackson is, the iconic gospel singer, Mahalia Jackson had this unapologetically booming, explosive voice Mm -hmm. that would shake you into your bones and like force tears up out of your eyeballs. Of course, Ashley is also the granddaughter of evangelist Shelley, And, you know, she's been known to turn crank up some gospel music up in her house. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what I mean, this hair, it is explosive. And, you know, when she is really like, right, she might shake you in your bones and make you say, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I I personally think your grandmother would approve of the name Mahalia personally.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do, too. Mahalia, you know, she's, she's, she's had a journey and it mm-hmm. reflects my life journey as well in this path of, of self-acceptance and self-love Because mm-hmm. I chemically straightened my hair from the time I was maybe in, I don't know, shoot, like late or like early middle school, um, wow. literally up until the end of residency
1: Wow, I can't even picture you with your hair straightened.
0: Right. Let me, I'm (laughs) going to send you some pictures just so you can (laughs) see. But yeah, and, you know, it was part of my upbringing, which is distinct from Kimberly in the sense that I spent a lot of my youth growing up in um, a predominantly white suburban area of Houston and constantly feeling the pressure to want to fit in, to try to dilute or downplay the things that made me different Mm. um, because it felt like those differences put me at a disadvantage or Mm -hmm. less appreciated or, you know, were considered less professional, or less ideal. Um, And so I tried to keep my hair straight. And part of that process is breaking down chemical bonds and really weakening the hair. So like, you know, my hair would be falling out, like it wouldn't grow like past my shoulders. So yeah, in 2018, about three years ago, I made the decision. I was just like, you know, what's, what's, what's the point? Like, why am I still doing this? And luckily my, my best friend in residency had been, you know, she was OG natural. She like, she went natural, like seven years before I did. Wow. And so she really helped me get starting and feeling confident. Like after transitioning for a while, I finally did that big chop, cut off all wow. the them raggedy straight ends and really started growing my hair, which ironically is around the time that we first met Kimberly. Right. only known Mahalia in her, when, when she was born again. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, anybody who's gone from, chemically straightened hair, transitioning to natural hair. Like the name of the game is patience. Mm. Like you have to mm. learn the process. I read all the books, like, you know, all the YouTube videos. like. Right. And over time it just became, you know, this ritual. So I, I just, I love the built-in self-care that it Mm. affords me. Um, Mm. I actually enjoy doing my hair, even though it takes Mm. a lot of time. It's time that I do, that I spend with myself. Mm -hmm. And same with you, Kimberly, like I love the like ease of connection with other Black women. You know, me and my best friend, I've I've said this before, like 85% of our conversations are about hair. (laughs) You know, as,
1: as physicians, to be able to do this job well, you, you got to have some places where you're all the way psychologically safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if people listen and they're like, wait a minute, did I just tune into this podcast and these two black women doctors just going to sit here and talk about the hair. But, but the the key though, is it's really about being your whole self feeling, feeling you authentically you I'm, I'm recording this from Grady and I know for absolute sure, the things that I have to do today man, I'm gonna walk into this day, like, let's go. It just puts you in a a good frame of mind to be seen, Mm -hmm. especially when so many places you either don't feel seen or you feel, or you don't feel safe.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things I'm hoping for for this series, I mean, not only do I get to chop it up with you every week, which is really 90% of the appeal, <laughs> um, but also that that our listeners can hear our stories and identify with with pieces of themselves. You know, even you know whether whether you're black, whether you're queer, whether you're a doctor or a mother or a clinician, just recognizing that stories create visibility. Yeah. And, and connection. And if there's pieces of our stories that can make folks feel seen, or maybe a little less alone in, in this world, and this work that we do, then I'll call that a success.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. And definitely always have to like drop some gratitude. Just like huge, tremendous shout out to Emily Silverman of the Nocturnists, who. Pulled us together, um, though we had met, pulled us together to work on the Black Voices in Healthcare series. And who has just been like so tremendously supportive, no matter, despite how busy she is, her whole production team, Adelaide Papazzolo, mm-hmm. that whole crew is just, I mean, seriously hashtag goals. And then of course, speaking of UCSF, we got to shout out the Clinical Problem Solvers. Yes. You know Robbie and of course uh, Reza, who's now um, over at Northwestern. Um, just so many people being supportive of the things that we're out here trying to do. Oh, and yeah, shout out to Chuma, dropping them beats for us. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, you know Peep His Podcast
0: too, the um, Typically Silent Podcast. Yes, and of course the folks who are gonna be rocking with us and listening to these episodes. We we appreciate you.
1: You know, it was my girl, Anita Baker, that said, and you bring me joy. She said, this is going to be what you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. But yeah, this is going to be what, what we want it to be. That's the beauty of reflecting with people and reflecting with yourself. So in addition to returning to come back and listen to this podcast over and over again, listen to some Mahalia Jackson. Mm-hmm. If you want a really good song, listen to her singing. and um, Sooner will be done. <laughs> that was the banger. Sooner will be done. Just look that up. And then you gotta peep out, my girl Anita Baker. Um, you bring me joy. That's where you'll get this line. This is gonna be what you want it to be.
0: Hey Amen. See, so y- y'all get the whole story. <laughs> so you get stories, you get recommendations, and uh, little renditions from Dr. Manning. <laughs> that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yes. So I'm gonna. Give our listeners a chance to listen. All right. Talk to you later. And I love you dearly, my friend. Love you too. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast.
1: Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and
0: production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturness and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember
1: we see you and you are enough.
0: Holla! Holla.